0: Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Marcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... It is the 21st century. Nerds from all over the internet gather to discuss ancient pop culture. They seek to follow the path to the setting sun that leads to El Dorado and to likes, rates, and subscribes. Uh, Today, we are talking about the mysterious Cities of Gold, a cartoon that I hope some of you remember, because I personally think this is really a a great one. I have a lot of fond memories of it. Um, But we won't be doing it alone. I have my uh, magic medallion, and uh, I brought someone with their medallion as well. Uh, he is the host of the aptly named Rob the Wonderful uh, YouTube network uh, and series of shows. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Robert Palmieri.
1: Hey, I was supposed to bring a medallion. Uh-oh. Uh- <laughs> Shit, that unlocks everything. We need the medallion. <laughs> I think my dog took it. Um, wow. We'll get it back later. Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, So, Rob, uh, as always, when I have a guest on to talk about a, a particular topic, I want to know how you found this one. Was this one you watched contemporaneously when it was on or something you came to later
1: um mysterious cities of gold um i it was one that i vaguely remembered because it was it was so long ago and i was very young when i uh, when i first saw it on nickelodeon and um i remembered liking it but of course you know at the time you only caught like a couple episodes and there wasn't a lot of context but i remember i remember liking what i saw and i definitely remember that theme song because that theme song is legendary but it wasn't until many years later that i actually i got the series on dvd and i watched it and i was kind of amazed at how good it was
0: yeah this one's really interesting because it's from a strata of cartoons and and a couple of different producers of cartoons that are to be put it mildly kind of known for just putting out just pumping out schlock during yep, the that's early that's french for you yeah <laughs> and and this one is not this one is has a lot more going on with it um, I think the animation is more sophisticated for the most part than, than cartoons of this vintage and the subject matter is interesting. And it's also serialized. It's not like you said, you saw, you caught a couple of episodes, which meant that they were all out of context and out of order. Uh, and you need to see all 39 together to make sense of the story.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't really see a lot of that back in the day. It was all, you know, it's to- toy commercials, the, the cartoon, you know, and there wasn't a whole lot of focus on things like story or narrative. And it was just kind of like, what, what's today's adventure. But, um, seeing a, a show from way back then actually have a linear storyline that you need to watch
0: every episode for was, uh, it was kind of a rare thing. Very rare. Like I, I remember being really captivated by that. And I, I remember watching this when it was on Nickelodeon, uh, which I think it originally was produced in what? 82, 83, and then hit Nickelodeon in, in 86. So, I would have been six years old at the time. I remember it was on real early in the morning. It was like six or six thirty, And like, I had to be up to watch it. And I was always excited to see it. Uh, and, and I remember doing the mental math and trying to like, okay, wait, what happened in the last episode? Where are we in the timeline? What, you know, try, trying to sort of do this jigsaw puzzle with it to, to figure out where everything went.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, at its core, the premise is pretty simple. It's basically a treasure hunt. But, yeah. um, it, I mean, you can, you can kind of piece things together fairly easily, but a lot of this, the more nuanced stuff, like the character things and, and stuff like that was a little bit, uh, a little bit harder, but it's, it's nice that, uh, we're, you know, it, it eventually got released on DVD and we can revisit and catch all the stuff we missed in between.
0: Yeah. I remember, uh, when I, file sharing became a big deal. Uh, in the early two thousands, I, I somehow got my hands on probably like .dot avi files of all of these episodes and watched them in college, and went like just to have this like fun, uh, you know, nostalgia trip to watch it. And was like, oh man, this is this is really good. I remember all these beats. Yeah, there's the the temple with the jade mask in it. I remember, you know, all these yeah. little, little parts of the show. Um, I guess for people who haven't watched it, we should probably lay out what the premise actually is of the show. Sure, go for it
1: um well it um it is based on a novel but it has very very little to do with the novel uh it's called the king's fifth um which by the way apparently there are a lot of people that are hardcore fans of the novel that hate this show (laughs) because it's so it's so out there um essentially it's uh at its core it's about um spanish uh explorers go colonizing the uh, south american continent and hearing about treasure and gold, and there's a supposedly a, a El Dorado, they call it, although I don't know if it's uh, supposed to be El Dorado, but they, they do call it El Dorado in the show. And uh, supposedly it's a city made of gold, and uh, people are trying to find it, and there's a uh, young boy named Sebastian who was an orphan who uh, had a medallion that is supposedly connected to it, and along the way they... Um, they bring along a, a girl who is a native of South America who has the other medallion that is connected to that as well, and um, he's joined by uh, Mendoza, the the, the great uh, epic Mendoza who punches sharks. <laughs> I didn't. I, that's one of the things I regret about my my review because I, I left that part out. There's a part where they get attacked by sharks and he straight up punches one.
0: <laughs> he's an amazing badass. Uh, like oh he is he is. Uh, a character that at first you never fully know if you can trust him for most of the show, uh, yeah. but he is like, yeah, he he's ostensibly the navigator on the ship, but yeah, he's also an expert swordsman and shark puncher, as you said, and yeah. kind of whatever, whatever, um you know what it is? He, he is obviously the father figure throughout the show. And he kind of reminds me of that thing. Like when you're a kid, your dad seems like a fucking wizard, you know, the like dads can do anything. <laughs> that, that's just what they do. You ask dad to do stuff and he does it. And here, yep. like, that's exactly what Mendoza is. Like whatever needs doing, Mendoza can handle it.
1: Absolutely. And he, he is one of those characters where you kind of don't know where he stands because there are parts of the series where he kind of like betrays the kids, but then he, he goes back to get them back. And eventually he kind of comes around to liking them but um anyway they they travel to south america they meet another boy um who is uh it, um it's Tao who um he it, okay his his bit is kind of complicated because they changed a few things from the english version in the english version he's uh from a people called the heva which i think implies he's polynesian but in the original version he's from a place called moo which is uh a very similar thing to atlantis but for the pacific ocean and he kind of acts as their guide like he translates things for them and shows them around and they're also accompanied by <laughs> the the two comic relief characters um sancho and pedro Sa- sancho and pedro yeah right <laughs> who b- are basically there to um fall through roofs and be chased by animals and just be funny, yeah. I kind of I I,
0: I didn't rewatch the entire series. I watched a handful of episodes to kind of brush up for today, and it was like, yeah, they're they're more insufferable than I remember. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, I remember being okay with them as a kid, but they're they're a little much because yeah. their their obsession with gold is like, okay, not every place you go to or every person you talk to is going to be El Dorado.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um. But yeah, I, I really what I really like about kind of the setting here, you know. I grew up in Southern California. That's where I'm from. And so, obviously, wherever you're from, you get a little... The history of the place you grew up in is a little more prevalent. So, here, you know, we're, this is a place that was, you know, conquered by the Spanish and you know, it was sort of... The, the the characters never make it as far north as, uh, as uh, the continental United States. They're mostly in South America and Central America and, and Mexico. But, yeah. like, you definitely, like, you get a bit of, like that sense of like the history of the conquistadors in your bones growing up around here and the I'm show originally doesn't... from New York so we yeah. have
1: that I have that history
0: yeah they don't uh, the... I want to say the show doesn't get dark like it's still for kids but I think they they don't pull too many punches with regards to the fact that they, you know this isn't a time of just ethnic cleansing and, and just a very pretty horrendous much part of our history
1: there there is a part where they imply genocide at one point
0: Well, they actually meet, I think they meet both Pizarro and Cortez during their adventure. And they're both portrayed as like, yeah, these are scary people not to be fucked with. Like, they're real dangerous.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: They're not the cartoon, I mean, they do meet plenty of cartoon villains, but those two are, you know, appropriately scary. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think the show does have a nice balance of, like, adult, mature themes, but also, like, kind of lighthearted fun. Because, again, it's supposed to be a show for kids. So, you know, they they are eventually, they're chased by that one guy who's trying to get them, but he always gets kind of dispatched comedically, like he gets washed away by the ocean or he falls down a ladder and things like that. So, so it's nice to have like little levity moments like that when they're, you know, talking about, um, you know, Spanish conquering South America.
0: Yeah, they're sort of like almost dancing between the raindrops with the main character sort of working their way north, sometimes with the indigenous people and other times kind of working their way with the, the Spanish conquerors and just sort of making their way through this conflict without sort of really being too affected by it. Although occasionally they do try to help the natives where, where they can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They, they do that quite a bit. Cause they also show, they also show, show some conflict between the natives as well. Sometimes. Like I remember there was a, there was an episode where like some other tribe was attacking and they were like, Giants, they were quote unquote giants. I think that was the episode where Tao builds the submarine out of sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, Tao's kind of awesome like that.
0: He's yeah, well, he is descended from, as you said, these sort of Atlantis-like people. And so it came, once in a while he'll show this flair for engineering that you know goes with this sort of ancient not ancient aliens, but like this, you know, there was once this ancient ancient advanced civilization that is gone yeah um, and they start I mean, toward, toward the
1: end of the show definitely they think they, they go into that
0: the sci-fi kind of ramps up as they go yeah but even still like it starts off with them you know they'll go into temples and things and it's very indiana jones right you know they they pick up a thing they set off a, a booby trap they have to avoid it um stuff that like me as a kid who loved raiders of the lost ark i was like yep absolutely this is right up my alley
1: and i think i think i felt the same way too because i loved indiana jones and seeing you know puzzle solving inside of an ancient temple is just, that's just inherently cool for me.
0: Well, I think about like all the stuff in that genre. Like I think it start, it doesn't necessarily start at Indiana Jones, but for our generation, essentially it does. You get like Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's this, then you get things like legends of the hidden temple um also for kids and then you start seeing things that end up being homages to those things so like the first game in the uncharted franchise is about the hunt yeah. for el dorado you know the, and now we have idea. escape
1: rooms we can just go do it ourselves if we want
0: <laughs> that's right uh, but as, but again the the escape rooms go from like the stone age to the sci-fi by you know the end of it where things start to get yeah. you know i won't say they go off the rails but it, it goes to a place that you don't expect it to go
1: yeah well, it's basically the same principle you know you gotta you gotta use your brain to get out,
0: and it's usually the kids who solve the puzzles, which I like you know you make them ultra heroic while the adults are sort of they're there to like punch the bigger grown ups but they're not gonna yep. solve the uh the the case of the missing city of gold nope uh do you have like a moment in the series that like some of your favorites or
1: uh well, it has been a while since I've seen it, but uh, I do remember quite a bit of it because it is a show that kind of sticks with you, which is another, you know, check check mark towards it. Um, I love the part where um, I love the part where they find the condor and it's just this this awesome moment. It's like they found this ancient flying machine and it's made of gold and it's really cool and the kids yeah. get to pilot it.
0: The, the Condor is amazing. We should talk about, the, I guess, the Solaris and the Condor, which are the, the two main vehicles in the show. Um, yeah. they, they go from one to the other, but these are, yeah, ancient leftovers from this forgotten empire that are solar powered. Um, like the ship is almost like, well, they're both uh, kind of, they're not on, on automatic pilot all the time, but there's all kinds of things that they can do that you know, ships would not be able to do. So, like the the Solaris has that Archimedes death ray. Yeah <laughs> just Burn stuff <step> up <laughs> But yeah The Condor too Is uh, what A very a incredible... iconic
1: Part of the show
0: Yeah And the animation On the Condor Is so cool They are like Again like This is a company Known for doing like You've got Deke producing it Along with Saban And like Both companies Are known for things Like you know G.I. Joe You know Stuff like On that level And here like I think the animation On the Condor Like the design of it Is is just so much Far and It's far and above What they usually do Yeah definitely It also, like, guides them places as well. Like, I remember there's parts where all of a sudden it's just like, okay, the Condor's taking over. It's telling them where to go. It'll just, they can't control it. And there's this nice, like, push-pull where it's, like, it's not just this, like, magic vehicle that lets them do whatever they want. They're never fully sure of how all of it works. And that kind of, I just sort of like that sort of neat tension in there that it's, like, it's not 100% reliable.
1: Yeah, It, it falls into that whole bit of, like, discovery an adventure and that you know the whole indiana jones aspect where they, they find something weird and they have to figure it out
0: That's pretty much everywhere they go but they do a good job of doing that with not just like the places but the people um where they spent they spend a lot of time with the incas and the aztecs obviously but um you know when they encounter a group you don't know if you can trust them there's that interesting uh, episode where you have this ritual where a guy covers himself in gold dust and walks into a lake which is believed to be the origin of the Eldorado myth itself in real life, which I, I really like that piece of like, we're going to use bits of real history and mythology to kind of build out our show. Um, but I love that as that it creates this sense of like, again, like wonder and danger, even when they walk, wherever they go, whatever new situation they walk into. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think they talked about that in the, um, in the after segment where they do the history. Yeah. Well. We should talk
0: about those. Those are fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, again, I, those are kind of old. I don't know how accurate they are to this day, but they are they were interesting to watch, and I felt like I learned something.
0: Yeah, well, at the end of like of a normal show from that era, like again, GI Joe would do this all the time, was like, "Hey, kids, don't do drugs. You know, always look both ways before you cross the street." And it'd be that one little segment, and here it was like yeah. actually like a little film strip of you know real history or culture from
1: yeah, Latin America. It's, like, it's like an old episode of National Geographic. Like I said. But I, I feel like that that is better. Like, like I, I always thought that that was better than like what He Man or GI Joe did, where they did the PSA and it's like don't forget to wash your hands or whatever. And but in in that case they're like they're educating. They're giving you like facts and history and um, that's something you didn't see a whole lot of like like i said it was mostly just you know telling kids to behave and uh, don't talk to strangers and make friends with people it's, uh, but then you got mysterious Cities of gold who's teaching you about the you know south american culture which related usually related to the episode you watched and there's there's a couple other examples um i know Silverhawks did like a like a science psa where they you know, they taught about, uh, I did, I did a review on Silverhawks as well. And I talked about this, how they did like, a, um, like a PSA about an education segment where they talked about the, the galaxy and space and science and stuff like that. And I, I would have always loved to have seen more of that. Cause I, I love that stuff.
0: Yeah, it was, it it made it feel a little more enriching. It almost reminded me of like little segments that might be peppered through something like Sesame Street, but it, it did tie into the episode you just watched really well. So like that episode I mentioned with the jade mask ends with uh, a little segment about Mayan burial rites, where they showed, and here's, you know, this guy who is buried this leader. Who's buried in this jade mask and the mask he's buried in is the same design as the mask in the temple from the cartoon. So they li- literally show you like, see here we're taking our inspiration from real life. We're putting this in the show. Not to say that the show is, Otherwise, you know, historically accurate in any shape or form. Absolutely not. No, um, because you eventually meet their version of the Olmecs, which is oh boy, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely not anything like the actual Olmecs. But they're, I, it's sort of hard to describe them. They're, they're sort of like elf people. Yeah. Not exactly. This is
1: where fans of the original book start raging. <laughs>
0: Well, I my understanding is I've never read it, but that the King's Fifth does not have any sci fi elements.
1: No, no, it's yeah. it's just an adventure story, and it it has the same base plot where they're traveling to the American continents looking for riches. And I think only three, I think Esteban, Zia, and Mendoza are characters from the book, and that's it. It like in that, name that, only. That's, that's where it ends.
0: Yeah, uh, the Olmecs are. I trying to remember what their their. Um... Like the wiki entry on them would be they're they're dis they're not descendants of Mo or he but they're like mutated by the the war. They're, 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 I know they're like something
1: sterile. like that. Like like when I when I first watched it I thought they were aliens like straight up aliens that were there because they seem like old old timey like aliens you'd see in like a black and white show like on the Twilight Zone where they have it's, it's just a guy with a big head you know. And, um, I think I, I think I heard something about like originally they were supposed to be, but I, I can't confirm that at the moment. It's just, it was just so jarring and different to, to see it after being like, okay, we're, we're fighting the Spaniards, we're helping the tribes. And then suddenly these, these weird dudes from underground with giant eyes and heads with a spaceship show up and it's like, okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're like, as I seem to recall, they're, they're not immortal, but they've like unlock. They're sort of they're they're older than they should be. They've used technology to keep themselves alive.
1: They've extended their lifespan
0: somehow. Yeah, but they're also, I believe they're sterile. Right? There's something about they they have to reproduce with machines. They clone Maybe. themselves or something. They're, yeah, it's real. And I believe this is all meant to tie back to the the kind of the big reveal about the war between Hiva and Atlantis. That's the the starting. Point for the whole story that as we, when they finally find the the city of gold, they learn the backstory that these two civilizations went to war and destroyed each other with the power of the sun. Which heretofore, like all the power of the sun stuff was literally like solar powered stuff, but then it, it, they sort of merged that with the idea of like, no, no, it's like nuclear f- fusion power, <laughs> it's actual sun power. And uh, it's I, I love that segment, it's really well animated and kind of out there, but it's Evocative and cool. I mean, yeah. they show you the, the war. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I also like that they they do the kind of the classic, uh, you know, "I am your father" stuff with having uh, you know Esteban be on the search for his true father, who is the masked high priest of the city of gold. And... Yeah, he
1: he believed he was dead, but then uh, we find out late. Spoil, major spoilers, by the way. But mm-hmm. at the end of the show, uh, we find out he's. Uh... He's alive, and he uh, helps them at the very, uh, the very end of the series, or the very end of the, the season, actually. I should say now.
0: Well, and they also have that bit with the jar, which carries through the entire thing. That the Tao is carrying this, this his last keepsake of this empire he's descended from, which is this jar that supposedly no one can open. That turns out to basically be a big cooling rod. The
1: the big uh, the big MacGuffin. They had yeah. it this whole time.
0: Like I think he just hands it off to uh, the the high priest or whatever, and he knows what to do with it. He has to like go into the melting down core of the city and and put this thing in so the world won't be ex- exploded.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Again, exactly. That was like, um that that was a very like a, a very dramatic moment too. Like they he, he kind of and they drag it out like they, he slowly walked down there and you got to see like every moment of him going toward this thing, knowing it was probably going to kill him.
0: Yeah, they made it. Uh, I don't say they made it gruesome, but it's like they may, they let you know that like yeah, he's walking into Chernobyl like he is. Yep. You know, this is this is it for him uh, as he sacrifices himself to stick this jar uh, into this machine. To, to stop it from melting down the world, but it does destroy the city, of course. But
1: yeah, um, they, they've but, they've that was the whole conclusion of the show. They they reach the city of gold, and then it ends up getting destroyed.
0: But the real treasure was the friends we met along the way. Oh, of course. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't uh, mention Coca Petal. I realize we have to talk about Coca Petal because he's oh, the, I love him.
1: <laughs> he's the chubbiest little parrot. He's so cute. I, he's so good. He's one of the best things. Like of all the like. 80s animal sidekick characters he's 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 top tier as far as i'm concerned
0: well yeah so many of those animal sidekick char- characters just had that like blah blah, blah blah voice and didn't really do anything useful they were just meant to be comic relief but coco paddle like, definitely pulls his way like he's con- yeah. he's like he's basically a drone for them because he can fly he can you know he's doing uh you know reconnaissance for them he's warning them of danger he's you know He's he's really uh, a valued member of the team.
1: He should have had a plush or something.
0: He was cool. Yeah, I wanted that Condor. That Condor is so good.
1: The, the Condor. I think I remember a couple of years ago some uh, they made a model of the Condor. I don't know if you can still get it. You might maybe on the secondhand market. It's probably gonna cost a lot of money. But I, I do remember somebody made like a like a toy Condor. Maybe I don't know if it was official or not, but it 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 is definitely out there.
0: I saw the you know at least somebody is I'm sure non licensed and non official but was making the medallions yeah. well, that, the medallions that the
1: that happens a lot with a lot of especially with stuff like you know robots transformers that they'll make it something that looks like a thing you remember but it's it's not it's legally not
0: <laughs> you know it's a transmorpher yep, yeah, uh, I want to spend a little time talking about the music for this show because like. This is one of these soundtracks like I'll keep going back to from time to time. It's oh, definitely a, it's just Me a banger. too. Yeah, um, done by Chaim Saban and Shuki Levy, who were a team responsible for a lot of '80s cartoon music. Oh yeah, uh, I think this is probably their best. And I know there was some controversy about how much there. There were a few people that claimed that they got ripped off. Their their stuff got ripped off. I don't know if that applies to this particular soundtrack or not, but.
1: Uh, i don't know but i i do i do really enjoy the not not just the intro and the outro which is you know always no no matter what the show is that's always going to be the best part especially you know from this era but just the just a little arrangements in between because they they take the what is essentially the theme song and they alter it to you know fit the mood of the the scene where it can be like fun and adventurous or like dark and creepy and it, it really works
0: yeah, it's this interesting blend uh, cuz it's it's like half synthesizer in places and in other places it's more like, you know, South American instrumentation. And yeah. It's, yeah, the late motifs and stuff are blended together really well. And I you know, it's it's one of the things where there's probably like, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 like tracks that they use, but they just know when to deploy those same tracks at plug and play kind of at the right moment. They're really a pocket of cool. I'm sure i yeah. will
1: be putting a lot of this into the into the edit for uh, for later. But, uh, yeah, uh, Saban and, and uh, Shuki Levy were geniuses when it came to TV show themes and and soundtracks. Cause like like you said, they did they did pretty much name something, and they probably worked on it.
0: Yeah, the the if you go to their Wikipedia entry or whatever and try and look at their their list, it's very long, and I guarantee there's something <laughs> yep. you know on it. Um, if you know younger audiences would be maybe that were like in the Power Rangers in the '90s, that's them. You know, and they worked on that show as well. Uh, you know, just tons and tons of stuff. But yeah, it adds such a great flavor to this show. Um, it, it, not that it has a lot of like again historical authenticity, but the use of all of these uh, you know, like pan flutes and stuff from south america um just again it adds in that adventure theme i'm going to different far off places in different lands oh yeah i love it uh did you watch any of the sequel series i i think i watched one episode i i need to get back to it but i was i was curious about it
1: i uh i watched the um i watched the second season because i talked about it in my video uh i know there's two more seasons i would love to get to those at some point as far as i know i don't think they're dubbed into english though and i don't really know the best way to get to them but the second season was dubbed into english and um uh well it let's just i liked it but i don't think i liked it as much as the the first season because there were there were some major changes done um the english dub of the second season has some issues (laughs) (laughs) Whereas, you know, and I talked about this in my review again, but the English dub of the original, it wasn't perfect, but it, you know, the role, the people voicing fit the characters. Whereas in the English dub for the second season, some of them worked and some of them really didn't like um, Esteban and uh, Tao's voice actors sounded very similar and it got a little bit confusing for me and Mendoza's voice was like very, very different. And it just—it felt like it just didn't work. And I'm just like, couldn't they have found someone that kind of sounded like them? You know, yeah. but I—I I mean, I've been told, uh, you know, in that, in situations like that, to just maybe watch the original French dub because maybe it'll be a little little easier to di- digest.
0: You just put that out of your head that they don't sound right. Yeah, they—they they sound very very different. Yeah, I mean they. The sequel hook was already there in the original show because they let you know there are seven cities of gold throughout the world to be found. So it seemed like that the plan was to, to do what they ended up eventually doing in, like I said, in 2012 when they started the new one,
1: because uh, yeah. like they go to
0: China, as my understanding for the the second season.
1: Yeah, yeah, second season is China. I think the third season is Japan, and I don't know about the the next one.
0: Well, the show was originally it was developed, I think, in Japan, and then in connection with the French.
1: Yeah, uh, it was then... a collaboration.
0: Right. And then uh, sort of poured it over with Canadian voice actors and then dumped on Nickelodeon because at that time, like when, I think most people think of Nickelodeon, they're going to think of like, you know, Doug and Ren and Stimpy and Rocco's Modern Life and all this original programming they had. But in the 80s, Nickelodeon yeah. was sort of just like whatever they could get their hands on to show. So I remember this. I remember this being kind of paired up with things like Danger Mouse and ducky yeah,
1: from the UK. There was, there was a lot of foreign shows, uh, during the eighties Nickelodeon didn't, as far as I'm concerned, didn't really hit its stride until the nineties with the Nicktoons, but, and, and they did have some original programming before that for like Nick jr. And, and, you know, some of their regular stuff. But, um, back then when they were kind of desperate to fill, I was actually talking about this with someone recently back then they were kind of desperate to fill their air they would you they would play old shows like they had the old black and white Dennis the Menace they had Flipper and they had stuff like that and then they would get stuff from other countries like um, Danger Mouse and Duckula from the UK they had uh, David the Gnome which I think was from oh, the Netherlands I think I'm not sounds I right, wrong, but right I could be wrong about that and then they had you know a couple of French shows there was Mysterious Cities of Gold and there was another show that nobody ever talks about. It was called, um, and I, I had less memory of this than Mysterious Cities of Gold. It was called Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea, which is I, quite that, a title.
0: That, wow, that title. I remember maybe it was promos for it or something. I, I, I remember, remember
1: hearing it. that years ago, and I looked it up, and I was watching the intro. for. for by the way, the intro to that show kind of rivals Mysterious Cities of Gold as far as I'm concerned. It's It's really good. And uh, I remember there was this lady wearing all white with a with like a big hat on, and I I definitely remember seeing her. But um, I uh, th- that show didn't really stick with me like *Mysterious Cities of Gold* did because I, I did watch some of it, and it is weird. <laughs> it's it's like it's high, it's very very out there science fiction.
0: Is this the one that has some stuff about Arcadia in it, or is that a separate show?
1: That that's Arcadia, yeah. They just call basically Arcadia. the. Um, I'm trying to let me let me see if I can remember this bonkers show. Um, it, it's like the distant future. There was some kind of like uh, calamity, some kind of Armageddon happened. Humanity moved to the center of the Earth. They set up a, a false, sun, a fake sun so that they can get light and energy from it. Uh, they apparently de-evolved legs, so they kind of bounce around <laughs> without legs on, and. Um, the sun was going out, so they had to send someone to the surface to try and find someone that can help. So they made this synthetic humanoid, which is the the lady in white, I forget what her name is, and they put her in a, a like a spaceship with like all their technology. and these two little adorable robot pangolins, which I loved, and uh, sent them out to the surface to find help. And they find other humans and i think they have to, I, I forget i'm getting kind of fuzzy after that again the show was weird
0: <laughs> tale as old as time <laughs> yeah it, it wasn't as um
1: it, it wasn't as uh, again well remembered as mysterious cities of gold also i don't think it had the same like appealing aesthetic did like uh, mysterious cities of, cities of gold was pretty much the, the same as a lot of stuff at the time but this one i think was a little bit of a downgrade in terms of animation and character design but um it, it, I I still I, I think I would love to give that show a chance at some point. It's very hard to find in English. I think there I think a lot of the episodes are on YouTube, but unfortunately I think some of them are in French. But um it it's I think it's definitely one worth uh checking out at some point. Just for if,
0: if at least just for how weird it is, just for archival purposes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned the uh, we've talked about the theme song here and there, here and there the intro to the show I think is worth spending some time on because I think you know would it, when you know a TV show intro is good when you don't skip it
1: no absolutely not
0: yeah like we did a, an episode a few back on Batman the animated series like that's one we're like yeah I'm gonna watch that. Same oh, yeah. seventy-five that's, that's seconds. That's a badass intro. Yeah, and this is up there for me as an intro because first you have the like before the the banger theme song kicks in, you have that intro where you know they're setting the stage of like it's the 16th century, blah blah blah.
1: It is the 16th century. From all over Europe, great ships sail west to conquer the new world, the Americas. The men eager to seek their fortune, to find new adventures in new lands. They long to cross uncharted seas and discover unknown countries to find secret gold on a mountain trail high in the Andes. They dream of following the path of the setting sun that leads to El Dorado and the mysterious Cities of Gold.
0: And you're zooming in from, like, the Milky Way galaxy all the way to the inside of a Mayan temple. And it's this really cool, like it's fairly quick zoom in. And then during the actual song, they use this animation style. That's not used throughout the rest of the show where they use these kind of, um, I don't know what you could call it, but they use photographs of real places. Yeah. Like filters been over them. Yeah. they are yeah. heavily processed. It's neat. It, it, it adds that air of like, again, like a little, just a little flavor of authenticity by showing you photographs of real places yeah if you haven't seen it go on youtube i mean you can find this on youtube go go watch it
1: absolutely yeah
0: if you're not going to watch the rest of the show at least watch this because uh the the song is awesome um i'm I'm, you've heard it by now because i put it at the front of the episode but the the song is great the the way they animate that is so cool with like the kids it kind of reminds me of um i think there's bits of yellow submarine that are animated this way
1: yeah you know the the theme song is good because they reuse it for the second season or or they, they redo it for the second season but instead of having like a South American feel it has more of a Chinese feel Yeah, it's essentially the same song. They basically just repurposed it, and it still it still sounds great.
0: Yeah, I liked that. I thought that was really a nice touch that they said, okay, if we're going to set it in China, we will kind of uh, redo it and and use Chinese instruments and you know uh, uh, to give it that flair. You've got that cool shot of like, yeah, I think you mentioned this in your video. Like, you've got the condor flying alongside a giant red Chinese dragon. Yeah, yeah, I love that. it's uh, it's cultural appropriation correctly done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I'm just kind of rounding in here toward towards the end of things. But what do you think it is about this show? You know that makes people kind of because I know that it has like a, a, a very strong following. of People that just fell in love with it in the eighties and never stopped loving it, um, which makes it perfect uh, perfect for a show like this. What do you think it is about this show that makes people glom onto it that way?
1: Um, it it. we've kind of already touched on this but it's a it's a very unique specimen you know like it's a it's a it's got a linear story it has mature themes in it but it's managed to balance it out with some you know childish lighthearted fun and it's got it's got adventure it it has everything you could possibly want honestly (laughs) and considering you know sometimes people kind of give um they're they're kind of like you know 80s cartoons are like eh, whatever but then then you have like this is what which is like the exception to the rule which is a show that not only is really good but held held up exceptionally well and isn't isn't there to shill a product
0: that's interesting about it too you mentioned that like we were talking about oh if only there was a coca petal plushie around or a <laughs> condor a plastic condor toy i could get and you know you think about by this point we had already had star Wars, like the concept of merchandising an IP oh, yeah. to hear to hell and back. Um, it was that you look at the other cartoons that this was produced alongside where like, yeah, transformers masters of the universe. Like this is just to sell you toys. And here they didn't do that. They, it seems like they said, you know, we stand by the art of this thing. We don't need to commercialize it as much as humanly possible.
1: Yeah. I wish, I wish more things would do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> Uh, fair point. I, I really just I I think this thing has endured the way it has amongst the people who even know about it. And I you know I realize this is not an episode of the show where people to be like, oh shit, they're doing Mysterious Cities of Gold. Um, <laughs> but uh, it certainly felt that like this is one I've wanted to do since I conceived of doing a show about going back to these nostalgic things because this one has always sort of been there for me. Uh, like I said, I rediscovered it in college, and it just. You're right. It's a it is a one of a kind thing. Like there it, it is such an odd uh show from this era that does so many things well. Uh th- it balances a lot of things tonally that shouldn't work together and yet they kind of manage to keep it all feeling of a piece or like it doesn't veer too far into like uh you know the blood and guts of the conquest. It doesn't veer too far for the most part into just being silly. Um, it's, it, it's like, this is an adventure and it, it's going to be just a little more mature than you are as a kid when you encounter it to make you feel yeah. like, oh, it's a little dangerous.
1: So, like I said, I think in my review, I said something like, uh, it takes its audience seriously.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, it, it uh, it, it doesn't baby you in any way. It just sort of says like, you know, you're coming along on this adventure ride and uh it it absolutely delivers on that on every front um so uh, rob any other kind of closing thoughts on mysterious cities of gold
1: um other than uh if you've not seen it track it down and watch it it is it is a treat
0: yeah the first season at least is on uh, amazon prime you can buy it there and and stream the whole thing which is uh, how i have it i've tried to get my kids to watch it they're not quite into it yet i think they're not the right ages for it but uh give give it some time yeah i I want them to (laughs) that's what being a parent is about, right? Is shoving the things you like down their throats.
1: <laughs> um, and maybe they'll like it. I hope so.
0: I hope so. Um, you you so, can
1: like Mysterious Seas of Gold and Bluey at the same time. Bluey's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, I, I've heard. My, my friend has kids, and he, he won't stop raving about that.
0: It's one of those shows where, like, you know, <clears throat> again, it also doesn't baby you. It is clearly for kids. Like, it's easy for them to glom onto, but you watch all the things the parents do go through on that show and you're like i relate to this i, I know i know <laughs> yeah. what they're doing
1: I, I mean i heard many people rave about it and I, I ended up uh, checking out a little bit of it on youtube and i, I can kind of see that it is is a very well written show so I, I i see why it's so appealing
0: i think it's very well observed in terms of you know what it's like to be both a parent and a kid they get both perspectives really well um rob uh, the people want to find your stuff where are they going to find it
1: um, well, I am Rob the Wonderful on YouTube. Uh, that is also my Twitter handle as well as my Twitch handle. Uh, I do stream games, although that's a completely different world as far as I'm concerned.
0: Did you ever um, before we go there? Actually, did you play the Mysterious Cities of Gold game?
1: The one for the DS. Oh, there was a uh,
0: second one. I think there was oh. an, an iOS one.
1: Oh, re- there was. Um, I remember Maybe there was the one on one. the 3DS, which I think came out uh, with the second season it was um it was kind of a puzzle game where you control the three kids and they have to like get to different places so i uh, if uh, if that sounds familiar then i, I guess they it. ported it to the ds as well i yeah. did play a little bit of it it was it was kind of a fun little thing
0: it was felt like a fun curiosity i, I didn't get uh, absorbed by it or anything but it was neat that someone yeah. bothered to do it. Um, Definitely. But anyway, yes. Uh, yeah i interrupted you uh promoting yourself which i absolutely want
1: you to do so please go it's okay it's um rob the wonderful on youtube again i do a show called cartoon clip show where i review um usually you know cartoons that i am familiar with that i grew up with but i i've been known to take on just about anything and again that's also my twitter handle um i uh stream on twitch rob the wonderful again if anybody out there is a gamer they want to come check me out um there's also i have other channels too i have a toy channel and i upload my gaming stuff to my gaming channel you can find links to those on my uh main channel Uh, i also have an instagram rob the wonderful where i uh have been posting my vhs collection people seem to be liking them
0: well cool i i I encourage everybody to go check that out um rob I, i stumbled onto you looking while i was doing research for this episode and i think you just got a really uh, great collection of interesting stuff uh so nice. please everyone go check that out um if you like this show uh, of course uh, you know what to do when you hear a podcast you like you go and you like rate subscribe tell people about it um drop a review those are all helpful things we are on twitter at nostalgian pod and we're also uh, on instagram uh, at Nostalgia Marcanum. Uh we've got some really cool stuff coming down the pike we've got episodes I'm recording way too many this week but we're doing um saved by the bell we're going to do masters of the universe the movie not the the cartoon oh uh, yeah nice uh, we're gonna do, <laughs> yep we got that one we've got ducktales coming up uh and uh what else oh my so-called life we're gonna do so i've got lots of irons of the fire and uh cool cool shit coming in, uh, in the next few weeks so um thanks again rob really appreciate you coming on
1: sure no problem thanks All for right. having me
0: glad to uh, and until next time, that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana. Nick, 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 Nick,
1: Nick, 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 Nick,